When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. South End Zone Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Jason and Timmy. Timmy, how are you doing this week? I'm good, man. Uh, looking forward to some good discussion this week. We've got some good topics, and it uh, should be a good time, man. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a little bit more interesting than the Pac-12, that's for sure. Um, might be a little biased there, but if you stayed with us the whole episode last week, good on you. Um, Jason, how are you doing this week? No, I'm doing good, man. I'm, uh, I'm working up in Clemson country this week up here in south carolina so a little bit a uh, little bit interesting in enemy territory this week but uh yeah man i'm excited to be here do you have to replace that hugh freeze picture next to your bed with a dabo sweeney one mm. <laughs> now the the hugh freeze picture stays at home i thought i figured you'd take it with you wherever you went no yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into clemson a little bit later i feel we're gonna have them in our discussion at some point but uh yeah, this week we're going to talk about impact freshmen, impact uh, offensive and defensive players. We're going to discuss uh, some of the most impactful transfer portal players, and uh, we're going to be going over the coaching hot seats. Who's going to be fired? Who's not? Who could be? And uh, we're going to discuss the, some of the best head coaching hires of this season. And uh, to wrap up the show, we're going to go over playoff picks. We're going to give you our picks on who we think will be in the, in the playoffs and uh, compete for the national title. Uh, playoffs don't talk about playoffs so kicking off the first segment jason want to talk about impact offensive freshmen who in your opinion is the most impactful freshman on the offensive side of the ball this year well i'm gonna start with a guy that you know i don't know about the most impactful but i think he's one of the more interesting uh, freshmen out there um i'm talking about marvin harrison jr and i'm sure Everybody knows he's the son of, you know, the Hall of Fame wide receiver from the Colts, Marvin Harrison. Yes. Playing at Ohio State, who many media outlets pretty much, I mean, it's kind of a consensus thing that Ohio State has the number one wide receiver room in the country. Uh, would, would they be someone that you would think would know anything? I didn't really see that last year, you know, in the playoffs or anything like that. I mean, they looked kind of pedestrian against the elite teams at times. Don't, but Don't they always? <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a good point. It does tend to happen. Yes. But, you know, if we're going to listen to what these people say, they say they're the best. So whatever. But Marvin Harrison, I mean, he he looks to be as advertised. He was really impressive in the spring. They raved about him in the spring game. He caught all seven passes that were thrown his way. He's a really big kid. He's like 6'4", 200 pounds. And from what I saw just in the spring and looking at, you know, I didn't really go in deep to his high school tape, but looking at his high school tape, he looks like basically it's the, it would be the same thing as if my five and three year old nephews were trying to cover me. So, (laughs) you know, he's been the best player on every field he's ever stepped on to this point. So I think he'll force his way into the conversation. He may not be a huge factor early, but just looking at how talented he is. I mean, he's the type of dude that can go up and make contested catches, go up, rip it out of the air. He's a real physical guy, but they've also kind of raved about his route running and how polished he is as a freshman. So I think it'll be interesting to see him come in and see how much of a factor C.J. Stroud can make him in the passing game early on. You know, there's something interesting about Marvin Harrison. Did you know that Marvin Harrison is the only player in NFL history to catch a pass in every single game that he played in? I was not aware of that. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm full of that useless knowledge there. You're pretty useless. Thank you. (laughs) Speaking of useless, let's move on to Timmy. 
Hey, eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, do you have any uh, any impact freshmen you want to talk about on the offensive side? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go uh uh over to Clemson and uh their five-star freshman Will Shipley. This kid could be special, man. He was uh the number one 20 the number 21 overall player in his draft or his uh, recruiting class uh, and the number two running back. Um, And he's already turning a lot of heads over there at the Clemson camp. Um, A lot of his teammates are comparing him to Travis Etienne. um, And that's quite an accolade, as we all know. He was a baller. And he does have some comparable athletic ability. I mean, Travis Etienne ran a a 4-3-40 at the combine. And this kid's 18 years old. He's running a 4-4. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? And, you know, the size comparison is the same. You know, ETN's like 5'10", 215. This kid's 5'11", 200 pounds. So, you know, they both have that rare combination of speed, athleticism, and and good size for a running back. He'll be successful at Clemson, not just because of his ability to make the home run hitters on the outside, but he's a good runner between the tackles too. And that'll make life hell trying to defend the way that Clemson runs that read option offense in conjunction with that other freak they have at quarterback back there this year. So they're going to be young, but they're going to be extremely dangerous. Um, and as these guys mature throughout the season, it's going to be scary and, and they could end up being a similar combo to Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. You know, he's number three on the depth chart right now, but we all know Dabo Sweeney isn't scared to turn the keys over to a talented freshman. And this dude certainly fits the bill. So look out for him, man. Yeah, looking at his numbers coming out of Clemson, uh, from what they're reporting, he's running a 4-4-6-40, 36-inch vertical leap, and he runs a 4-2-1, 20-yard shuttle. And he's a freshman. He averaged 11 yards per carry as a junior in high school. Yeah, so, I threw my uh, hip out just thinking about that. <laughs> That's because you're old, man. Well, Dabo commented on him. You know, they, they were raving about him at spring and spring practice and all that. And I mean, he, he had like really positive things to say about him. Like he's going to be an elite player. He can absolutely fly is what he said. So, I mean that, you know, obviously he's going to pump up his players a little bit, but you know, that dude, he don't, I don't think Dabo is the type of dude that makes those, you know, statements lightly. No, he ain't blowing smoke about that kid. Yeah. So there's a lot of kids like this. You kind of hear about them coming out of high school, but sometimes I feel like there's always that Achilles heel on these players. I wonder if, if he'll be the total package. It's rare that you get the total package strength, speed, you know, vertical leaps, you know, good hands coming out of the backfield. I wonder if he's going to have butterfingers. That's my bold prediction for this year. Will Shipley's going to have butterfingers. That's a pretty, pretty weak, bold prediction. I agree. For a freshman. I agree. Those are rookie numbers. You got to bump those up. <laughs> those are rookie numbers. Rookie numbers in this outfit, man. Well, what, what about the defensive side of the ball, Jason? Who are you looking at? Defensive side, I, I'm really interested in uh, Florida. Um, Florida's quarterback, Jason Marshall. You know, four or five star kid, depending on what service you're looking at, but uh, played high school ball in Miami at the highest level, basically. And it, it's kind of his tape. It's hard to decipher because he, he didn't get tested very often. You know, a lot of his picks are just open field kind of thing. But, you know, he doesn't have like elite breakaway speed or anything, but he's just re- like He's really good man to man. You know, he's just so big. He's like, he's listed at 6'2", 190. I mean, that's like NFL size. If you're going to play a 190 at cornerback, he's got the size to step in and com- contribute as a freshman. Now, the contributing part is interesting because Jaden Hill, who was projected to start for Florida at cornerback, tore his ACL. So, you know, now opposite of Kyir Elam, who is arguably one of the best defensive backs in the SEC, you got a true freshman going to be, you know, starting opposite of him. He's going to get tested constantly because nobody wants to throw at Elam. So if I'm a quarterback and I'm looking on one side at Elam and I'm looking at true freshman on the other, I'm picking the true freshman. So he does have some competition. You know, you've got a transfer from Texas A&M and one from Missouri and a couple of other backups that'll, you know, maybe get some looks. But I mean, this guy, he was as advertised during the spring. He looks the part. So it'll be really interesting to see how, you know, if he gets how much he gets tested early and if he can make some plays. I'm just Florida's always got a good defense, so I want to see how well he fits in and steps up and, you know, see if he can just become the guy that early. Yeah. Timmy, who are you looking at on the defensive side? Yeah, I got kind of a, a sleeper over here. You know, a lot of people are, are not paying a lot of attention to this kid, but Clayton Smith uh, over Oklahoma. at Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a four-star kid, you know, just outside that five-star tier. Yep. You know, he's a top 40 player 
uh, number two edge rusher in his class. You know, he's six foot four, 220 pounds. He's built like a brick shithouse already. Are you kidding me? What do they feed these kids in Texas? Like, good, good God, deep, man. Deep fried everything. Yeah. Fucking steak every night. But, you know, it's kind of hard to, to project him. You know, when we previewed Oklahoma, I mentioned that their defense is pretty good, especially, you know, considering they're in the Big 12. But Alex Grinch is doing a lot of good things over there. And they have a lot of returning talent, including, you know, a potential All-American at linebacker already in, in Will Benito. So why will he even get a look? I'm not saying he's going to get 40 or 50 snaps a game, but he will get in there to give those guys a blow and get in the rotation. And my thing is, is he's in a great position to learn because he has absolutely no pressure on him. You know, he's not supposed to be some magical cure-all for some middling team, throwing him in there on defense, trying to you know, save their, their season or whatever. You know, he's at Oklahoma. He's in a good program. He's going to get quality reps. And I think his pure talent and athletic ability are going to be able to shine in that role. Um, Cause he is a little bit raw, but I think if he gets the experience, he's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in the future. Mm, yeah. And that's one of the people I wanted to talk about on the defensive side was Neil Green from Georgia. He's number 71 overall. And Jason, you can probably attest to this, but Georgia's secondary needs help in a bad way. No doubt. He's considered the number one cornerback in the, in the draft class or in the, in the high school class coming in this year. But a lot of the coaches in the, in the uh, Georgia locker room are coming out of here saying that he's ready to play. I mean, this kid is ready to play in the SEC. So we'll see if he gets into the rotation. I don't know if they'll put him on the field to start right away, but I would like to see him in the in the mix. And I can guarantee you he's going to make an impact at cornerback as the season progresses. Yeah, he better because they they got a big ass test coming week one with a dude that can sling it around. So I'm with you. That'll be if he can step up and play right away and be effective. That would be a big win for Georgia. Well, let's move on to the, uh, the most impact transfer portal players. Jason, why don't you lead us off? Well, this is going to be, I mean, you guys can call me a homer and that's completely fine because I sort of am. We do that all the time anyway. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really care what you guys think. So my transfer portal guy, the reason I chose this guy is, well, I'll explain it here in a second. Because he plays for Alabama? Because he plays for Alabama? No, that's not the reason. But Homer. Uh, yeah, whatever, dude. Shut up. No, I'm talking about Henry to Um, the transfer from Tennessee. He was their you know, most effective defensive player, you know, he's not like an all conference guy. He, you know, he had, he hadn't really, you know, gained any kind of national awards, but I think a part of that is playing for Tennessee. You know, you kind of get lost when your when your team is just terrible and your defense is so bad around you, but overall he's been a really effective player. I mean, he's a big kid, 6'2", 230, you know, he's going to play weak side linebacker for Alabama. He's going to step right in day one and start. When you lose a guy like Dylan Moses to the draft, you know, that can be a big blow for your defense. But when you gain, you know, arguably one of the best defenders at linebacker in the conference like that, I think, you know, that's a huge win for Alabama and a huge win for, you know, to O to O because he can, you know, now he's going to get a lot more looks for the draft and things like that. But just looking at him and his ability, I mean, the guy's a straight up animal. He can run sideline to sideline. You know, he, he's got a really, a really good chance to take a step forward, you know, being around so many other superstars. But overall, I mean, like I said, playing for Tennessee, I think he just got lost there in the transition, you know, and kind of just being surrounded with so many, you know, less than stellar players. But now he's surrounded by NFL talent. So really interesting to see how he adapts and if he becomes more of a force and, you know, gets more of that national recognition, Butkus, you know, nominees, things like that. Hmm. That's interesting. Alabama hates Tennessee until their best players want to come play for Alabama, right? Yeah, that's right, man. Timmy? You know, it, it, and, you know, it works both ways. Tennessee, they hate Alabama until they need a coach. Yeah, touche. Well, they ain't getting saving anytime soon, so. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Timmy, give me your impact transfer. So mine's kind of a uh, an impact slash you know comeback guy that I, I'm kind of rooting for in Mackenzie Milton going to Florida State. Obviously, well known for his uh, really high level of play before he uh, had a pretty brutal knee injury. Man, he dislocated his kneecap. He had to have multiple multiple surgeries because of infections and all sorts of other complications, and it was just a mess. So when he came back last year and started to get some reps. You know, they had already moved on at quarterback. So he transferred, ends up at Florida State. And I think it's going to be a good fit for him, man. You know, all the naysayers are going to be out there and 
Oh, he's got to prove health, blah, 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 blah. Save that shit, man. He already he already came out in the spring and he looked good. You know, I know the real test is going to be when the shorts come off and the pads go on. But if he can manage to get over the mental hurdle from that injury, he could be really special for them. You know, early on, there may be some split duty with him and Jordan Travis, but he's just straight up better than that kid all the way around. And they all know it. So he's going to end up taking all the snaps eventually at some point. And I fucking hate Florida State. I think you guys know that, but I'm kind of rooting for that kid. And I think he I think he deserves it. And he's a baller. So I hope he lights it up for them this year. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I really I really like that guy, too, man. He's he's fun to watch. And being part of that UCF team that he was a part of, you know, he lit it up, man. And I mean, that when that guy was in the lineup for UCF, I mean, you saw it. I mean, they could play with anyone just because of his ability. So I hope he gets back to full health too. You know, I mean, Florida State, I don't really care about them. You know, I don't hate them or like them or anything. I mean, they're just kind of the, you know, whatever, just an ACC team for me. But, you know, if that guy steps in, I think Florida State could take a big step forward. You know, offensively, at least because their quarterback play has been abysmal the last few seasons. Mm. So, I, yeah. I, it, their everything play has been abysmal. We suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's more interesting when, when, you know, you have more good teams and it just makes for more intriguing matchups. You know, edge, every, edge of your seat, hands sweating, four quarters. Palms mm-hmm. are sweaty, knees are weak. Palms are sweaty. That's you know, right. Mom's spaghetti. Mom's spaghetti. There you go. Yeah. God, you guys are. <laughs> but, so fucking weak. <laughs> Speaking of weak, Jason, actually, you know what? I'm going to bring this one to Timmy. Since we were on the, the discussion of Alabama, I've got an over-under for you, Timmy. All right, bring it. This is a random over-under. Eight out of 10 Alabama fans can't spell Tuscaloosa. Over or under? Over. <laughs> Kid me. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Jason, where are you at on that one? You must think I'm dumb. Eight out of 10. Oh, man. I'm gonna, He's Googling it right now. I'm, make sure he can spell I'm, it. I'm going to take can a you? push. I'm going to take a push at eight. Um, I don't, <laughs> I think it depends on what part of the state you're in. You know, there's, there's some smart parts of Alabama. I'm going to get crushed by my home state here, but you know, there, there are some people that I would question whether or not they could spell Tuscaloosa, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a push at kind of things I think about, man. I wonder what the Vegas odds would be on that one. Let's move on. This conversation's going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I think they'd set an eight and a half line on that one. Yeah, oh, They'd good. make you think about it. Let's let's go on to our next segment here. We're going to talk about the best head coaching hires before we get into the hot seat discussion, which I'm pretty sure is going to be a good one. Jason, who, in your opinion, is the best head coaching hire? And I think before you go ahead, I want to go ahead and state that it's, in my opinion, it's going to got to be a shark, right? In Texas. Is that what you were thinking? Well, wrong. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> um, mm. I I would tend to agree with you there, but, you know, I've kind of already talked about Sark in depth, you know, during our Big 12 preview. I I think it's a great hire. You know, anybody that comes with his kind of pedigree and, you know, had the success he had as a head coach before he had his, you know, off the field issues with alcohol, as it were. um, Then you get to spend two years with Nick Saban. I think it's, you know, it's going to do wonders for him as a head coach and as a man. So I. I, I really agree with you there. That's probably one of the best hires, I think. But I can't say that's my favorite because Texas, it's really hard to be successful there because they don't they don't do like, you know, like Alabama did with Saban, where they're just like, hey, man, here's the keys to the bins and fucking figure it out. You know, I mean, they're they got a board of regents down there that, you know, they have to answer to. I, I don't know that his success will be instant. I, I hope so. You know, I, I like Sark just fine. I used to can't, you know, couldn't stand him, but I think he'll do well now. Just looking at coaching hires, I like Brett Belima at Illinois. You know, I looking back at our Big Ten preview, I think I was a little too hard on him. Um, I took the under on two and a half wins, I think it was, or maybe three wins. I actually think he'll go over that. They do have a favorable. No sc- take backs, weak man. No take backs. Yeah, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'll keep it. You can write it down and blood. keep it. That's fine. And but looking at what I mean, you you take that like look at his uh, head coaching record. Okay, he had a ton of success in the Big Ten before he left to go to the SEC. I mean, he you know three time conference champion was the coach of the year. You know, in two thousand six. I mean, that's a long time ago. But then he went to the SEC and you know had three winning seasons at Arkansas, and that's not easy to do. I mean, yeah, his conference record was terrible, but I mean it's the SEC West. It's really hard to be successful at Arkansas, regardless of who you are. 
you know, when you're recruiting against guys like Les Miles and Jimbo Fisher and, you know, Nick Saban and all that, I mean, it's just, it's tough to be successful at Arkansas for anybody. So I don't think his record there really speaks to how good of a head coach he really is. I think you should look at more towards his Wisconsin days. And those were really good years. I mean, he won, you know, double digit games a few times. So having him come in and, you know, he spent the last couple of years in the NFL with the Patriots and with the Giants. And he was, you know, really well liked and respected in those ranks. So coming back to college at Illinois, I like his chances to make an instant impact and sort of change the culture there. And also, I like uh, Belima because he's, you know, the subject of probably the greatest college game day sign I've ever seen in my life. It, and all it said was Brett Belima has never been full. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big, he's, he's, a, he's a big guy. So you know, I I love that, but. I think it's a great win for them. I mean, when's the last time that Illinois had a head coach that, you know, you felt like was going to make some kind of change or an impact? It's been quite some time. I don't know that I could ever name an Illinois head coach. Well, you know, they had Lovey Smith. They had him, but. He's totally forgettable. Yeah, he's very forgettable. So uh, there isn't a head coach in college football that can sport a flat top crew cut the way he can. Oh, yeah. Straight up. That's true. Yeah. Straight up. Straight up. State trooper cut, man. You give him. He's clean. Yeah, no doubt. So, but overall, I think it's a great hire. You know, like I said, he's got, he's had a ton of success in the Big Ten. So I don't think he's forgotten everything he knows about football. You know, so yeah, you, you know. can't ever rule out a guy who worked under Belichick in the hoodie, man. Yeah, There's no doubt. And something magical going on with that, you know. Yeah, and he he hired on there as a consultant, you know, to the head coach, and then was promoted at the end of the season. So obviously, did a That's good just job. A title, man. Nobody consults to Bill Belichick. You kidding me? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, he's not in there telling <laughs> hey, him. Coach, what he should I think do. you should shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, sure, it's a fancy churched up title, but you know, he was promoted at season's end, you know, offered a job and then gets a D-line coach job with the Giants. So I don't know. I Do I think they're going to be some kind of factor in the Big Ten conversation? No, not right away for sure. But, you know, do will he turn things around there and make them a respectable program? I think it's possible. So I like him as my, you know, best coaching hire for a really bad team that's in dire need of some good coaching. Interesting. Timmy, who are you looking at? Yeah, I'm going to highlight a, a coach and a team like you just mentioned that's completely terrible and is in really need of, of a good head coach. And, you know, this is not a homer pick. Um, some might label that as such, but I like Shane Beamer getting hired on at South Carolina, man. Of course you do. Um, yeah, of course Ooh. I do. Get the fuck out of here You got with your that. Frank Beamer jersey on right now? Hey, man, let's, let's just look at his resume here for a minute. You know, his previous experience, you know, he's been at Tennessee, Mississippi State. He was previously at South Carolina. He's at Virginia Tech, Georgia, Oklahoma. You know, he hasn't been learning the ropes at Mount St. Biff's Academy in New Hampshire, week, man. You know, he's been at legit programs under legit head coaches. You know, look at some of his tutelage. I mean, for starters, tutelage. the Hall of Famer Frank Beamer is his dad. You know, he worked under Steve Spurrier, Kirby Smart, Lincoln Riley. You kidding me? You know, he's he's got some credibility to him. And a lot of these schools that he's been at, he's been the recruiting coordinator. So he's already well established in that world. And he's got a pretty good resume. You know, a lot of the recruiting classes that he was involved with were pretty good, man. You know, top 15, top 20 classes and even some top 10s when you're talking his Oklahoma time. So he's got all the tools necessary to make South Carolina relevant again. And I think it's a really good hire. You know, I was kind of pissed off. Virginia Tech didn't uh, didn't offer him a job. But, uh, you know, that whole wakey gate scandal he was involved with probably ruined that. Well, I mean, Virginia Tech's current head coach, I mean, Justin Fuente, how long has he been there? Uh, he started in 2016, which mm-hmm. was, you know, the year after Beamer retired. And that's when he cut bait and Shane left. And that's that. Virginia Tech's been a biff ever since. Yeah, big fucking mistake on Virginia Tech's part. Hey, man, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, you're talking about him being Frank Beamer's son. That doesn't actually mean he's going to be a great coach. I mean, we've seen the natural selection make its way into college football. Does anybody, I'm sure you all know who uh, Justin Jefferson is from LSU, right? Wide receiver. Correct. Remember his brother, Jordan Jefferson? Oh, shit. I didn't even realize that was his brother. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Quite possibly the worst quarterback in LSU history. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I know the you bloodlines know. doesn't always mean it's going to be a thing, but 
I think that combined with all the other stuff on his resume, like, you know, he's legit, man. He really is. Well, he's a likable guy. You know, when he steps into a room, like, I mean, you, you'll, you'll have a hard time finding anybody who's got something bad to say about him. He gets a lot of buy-in from his players. So he's that type of dude who just, he's like Dabo. It's hard not to like him. But will he have the same kind of success? <laughs> hard to say. South Carolina is a tough place to coach. Um, it's a tough place to recruit with Clemson right there in your backyard. So, you know, I agree with you that it's a good hire. I don't, I'm not going to contest that at all. I do think it's a good hire, but, you know, I, I I have some question marks about how effective he can make their offense. Maybe the time he spent with Lincoln Riley will help. I don't know. Can't believe we're going to sit here and not mention the Gus bus going to UCF. Oh, Jesus. Is, is that not an outstanding coaching hire for USF or UCF? No. Take it away. No, it's not. I mean, look at what he did at Auburn. I mean, yes, it's a gimmick style offense, but that's that's what the Gus Bus is, man. He's a gimmick style. If he's going to make that thing work, he's going to make it work in that shitty ass conference. I mean, he was fired despite being sixty eight and thirty five at Auburn in the SEC West. That's not you can't just dismiss that. Yeah, but go look at his record against top twenty five teams. Go look at his road yeah, record. How many of those is going to be playing at UCF? Dude, they're going to have parades for themselves every year. <laughs> God, kidding me? He's gonna be wearing that dumbass sweater vest every time with a co-national champions lapel pin. <sighs> <laughs> Makes me want to puke. Oh God, you just hate Auburn. I think it's I think it's a good hire for UCF. I mean, considering they've they've been abysmal since they crowned themselves champions and then got whacked against LSU. <laughs> but we've been there, done yeah. that. Well, he, you know. I think Eric touched on this a few episodes ago. You know, he will help them in recruiting, you know, maybe bring in, you know, some top guys that might otherwise go to the bigger programs. But overall, I think he's just an average coach. I mean, and if you, the reason I know, the reason I say that, it's not my opinion alone. Like, I, I mean, obviously I'm around a ton of Auburn fans. Okay. I mean, I've got family members who are Auburn fans. One of my family members. I mean, he's one of the smartest men I know. He could not stand Malzahn. He's like, he's a high school coach. I've been watching him his entire tenure here. You know, he's in over his head. So will it be a better fit at UCF? Probably so, because the expectations, one, won't be nearly as high as they are at Auburn. And, yeah, you know, two, I mean, it's good for the program. You don't have to have a great defense at a school like that. You can give up 40 points a game and nobody cares as long as you score 50. So... It's right up Gus's alley, man. Yeah. So I, I do think it's a better fit for him in, you know, in that aspect, but I won't say it's a great hire. Okay. Agree to disagree there. This is this is probably the, the most anticipated section of this week's podcast <laughs> for me, but hot seats. Timmy, take it away. Oh, boy. So I did a, a little top five here on the, uh, the coaching hot seat, and uh, we'll kick off the list at number one. <laughs> oh, Get right into it. Oh, dear. We all know who it is. The khaki man, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> we already beat that one into the ground, so I'm not going to go into that one more, but he's at the top of my list. It's win or die for him. 100%. Number two, number two coming in with uh, Herm Edwards. Hello. Whoa. You know, big Herm. Herm? Aside, aside from... <laughs> Aside from his performance, you know, there at Arizona State, he's got that recruiting scandal hanging over his head, and that could get him shit canned before anything. So <laughs> that's a bad look. He's definitely he's definitely up there. And for those of you who don't know, our listeners who don't know, the alleged scandal is that they were putting, they were allowing recruits like basically through the back door of the facility during COVID, which was a huge fucking violation because recruiting visits weren't supposed to be allowed at all. So Herm may or may not have known about it. I find it hard to believe Nobody's that he wouldn't. still responsible. No doubt. And But even even if he didn't know, he's responsible. But I find it hard to believe that your head coach doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Exactly. Um, yeah, I would agree. Underneath old Herm, I got Scott Frost. <laughs> uh, mm. Yeah. Scotty doesn't know, but they're <laughs> pissed in Lincoln, man. <laughs> 31-27. That's not going to keep them, you know, around much longer. You know, one and one in bowl games. Get it together or get the fuck out, Scott. This is show me or, or get out time. And uh, at number four, I got Clay Helton. You know, just like Jason said last week, he ain't the guy there, man. And they know it. See you, Clay. <laughs> get the fuck out. Yeah. He we gone. touched on this last week, but I think 
if he if he does have a chance at redemption, this is his season because he's got his entire team back. So we'll see. But he's definitely number one on my list for the hottest seat. Oh, number one. Eh? Yeah. And then number five, we got coming in with a uh, repeat contestant, uh, Jim Harbaugh at his next coaching assignment. He's already on the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit <laughs> only jim harbaugh would have that that's good that's good stuff that's, that's fucking hilarious <laughs> oh shit timmy i think you're being a bit biased here man hey man i just call it like i see it well i don't think i think you're 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 missing something that we we all see and you're just avoiding it like the plague like covid yes he is and i think you failed to mention justin fuente no on the hot doubt seat this year Hey, man, I know that there, there's a lot of people saying that he's on the hot seat, but the bottom line is is that their AD came out in December and, and squashed it, man. He was like, look, he's going to stick around. You know, we got full faith in him. That's what you say right before you hire him or right before you fire him. But you also have to consider that Frank Beamer's still involved very heavily in that program. I mean, he's like a consultant to the athletic director. So if... Bamer told him to get him the scout, he'd be gone. But, you know, I think he, he still has a, a little bit of rope before he hangs himself. Um, so I don't think he's on the on the hot seat. His seat's warm, but it's not hot yet. Yeah, well, that seat's about to be kicked out from underneath him if he doesn't have a winning season this year because they're 19 and 18 the last three years. Two losing seasons back-to-back under Fuente's watch. It doesn't look so, too good. You ain't got to tell me, man. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's reeled in consecutive – Recruiting classes ranked top 30 nationally in 2017 and 2018. You kidding me? And they still finished number 76 and number 45, respectively. So he's on the hot seat. Jason? Yeah, I I will be including Justin Fuente in my rankings here of hot seats. But starting it off, kicking it off at the top, yeah, I'm I'm right there with Tim. It's Harbaugh. It's win or die. Like I said, I honestly... I've got to the point, I thought about this today, I've got to the point where I think he he's going to have to sit, I mean, I agree with Tim, he's going to have to make the playoffs. Even if he were to squeak out a win against Ohio State, if they squeak out a win against them, if they go eight and four, it's not going to matter. I mean, you, you, like, you mentioned Clay Helton. I mean, he's on this list too for me, but the athletic director came out last year after they went five and one and had to explain why they didn't fire him. <laughs> You know, I kind of mm. feel like it's going to be the same situation with Harbaugh. Like, if they don't shit can him, they're going to have to come up with a damn good reason for it. If he doesn't make the playoffs and get a few convincing wins in the right spots, go to the Big Ten title game, that kind of stuff. If he wins eight games again and they keep him around, the big house will burn to the ground. Agree. So I think it's to the ground. Champ- minimum conference championship or bust for that guy. I don't think it's any question he's got the hottest seat in football. Right behind him, I I I've, I got to disagree with you a little bit. I think uh, I think Clay Helton's the guy that's number two. Even though he went five and one a year ago. Lost to Oregon in the conference championship. He, I think USC knows he's not the guy, but I think they're just kind of holding out for somebody better. I mean, because there's really been outside of, like I discussed last week, you freeze. There's really nobody out there that I feel like they could just go get, you know, because they're not the program they used to be. They're not a premier program in football. And maybe that's more of a Pac-12 thing than it is a USC thing. Because the Pac-12 just kind of has this stigma that it sucks, which it does. So it's a rightful, you know, moniker to put on them. But Harbaugh won. That one's easy. But I got Helton at number two because I just think if Hunter's prediction, you know, become comes true and they run the table and win the conference, obviously he'll stick around. But, you know, if they don't and they go, you know, eight and four, nine and three, whatever, they're going to be looking elsewhere. I just feel like they're they're at that point where they're they've either got to step the fuck up and become relevant again, or they just need to you know whatever be okay with winning seven, eight, nine games occasionally. And I just don't think USC is gonna be okay with that for much longer. So he's number two, mm. number three. I'm right there with you, Scott Frost. I I told you in the Big Ten preview he was gonna get fired. I wholeheartedly believe that. I do think they'll probably win week. Zero against Illinois, but I don't I don't like their chances to make much noise this year. So I think he's probably gone. I would say, you know, go back to Conference USA or wherever the fuck you came from and, you know, maybe have some luck there with the Gus bus or somewhere. But 
And then after him, you know, Justin Fuente, he's got to be on the hot seat. Uh, you know, not going to a bowl game last year, that's a kick in the nuts for Virginia Tech fans. And I know you know that, Timmy. So Yeah, but I kind of put them in the in the same boat as USC. You know, they could fire him, but who the fuck are you going to replace him with? Well, Virginia Tech is one of those schools. I mean, you know, they, there's a lot more to choose from when you're Virginia Tech and you want like a defensive-minded guy. You know, I mean, Virginia Tech's always known for defense. That's kind of their moniker. They they love defensive-minded dudes. They went out and hired Justin Fuente, who's an offensive guru, and they suck. We suck. You know, <laughs> I think they'll go back to, you know, what they know and what they're good at. Go back and get Beamer Ball. You're telling me that after a couple of average so-so seasons, that if they call up Shane Beamer, he's not going to come back? I don't think he would. Give me a break, man. Come mm. on. Frank Beamer, he would, he'd be like, yeah, bring him back. We're going to make it happen. I mean, it'd be the... I mean, if he's sticking around to consult, he'd obviously be interested. Yeah, I, I mean, the entire the fan right. base would be behind it. You know, they'd be like, fuck yeah, bring him back. I mean, so I think they'll get back to what they do best, and that's play defense and play special teams. If they're going to go out and hire a guy, you've got a ton of selection for defensive-minded guys. I mean, you could bring in, I mean, off the top of my head, Todd Graham at Hawaii. You know, he's been a head coach. He's a defensive-minded guy. You know, bring him in. He probably isn't going to be any worse for wear than Fuentes, that's for sure. So mm. that's my top four. You know, I don't really have a number five. Uh, I would like to mention this, though. Let Ed Orgeron have a so-so season this year, and he's going to be number five. What do you What are you calling a so-so season? I'm calling a... Say a seven and five, or a, you know, it's, their win total from Vegas was nine. I think if they go under that, the talk's going to start. I mean, I, I don't buy it, man. You don't buy that? Tell me why. No, I, I, don't. I don't. Why don't you buy that? Because he won a national championship in 2019 with less miles as players. Well, that and then you know they all graduated or you know went to the NFL. I mean, he got completely gutted the year after that, and you got to give him a little bit of time to get some recruits in here from his you know recruiting classes and put them all together on the field. I I don't think it's going to happen. You know, this year or next year, it might. I mean, beyond a team that, full of but, freshmen and sophomores playing through the COVID pandemic, which kind of threw everything out of whack. So I mean. I can't, I don't know. I, I can't. I mean, that was an extremely young football team playing in the toughest conference in football. My, th Yeah, and that's exactly right. My thing with this, though, LSU, your success at LSU is based on two things. One, whether you can beat Nick Saban or not. And two, whether you win your division or not. I mean, Les Miles winning is, I, I mean, I don't know this for a fact. Is he the, is he the winningest coach in LSU history? Maybe? I don't know. I think he is unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy that went to two national titles, won one of them, probably would have won two if he'd have played anybody but Nick Saban, and then had a couple of so-so seasons and got shit-canned. Don't, don't forget, he played Jordan Jefferson. He did. This is true. He did play him, but regardless, mm -hmm. I mean, you, he had top five recruiting classes every year and, you know, had a couple of so-so seasons and he was out of there, man. Hey, nobody's saying that old Ed doesn't deserve some criticism, but I'm just saying it's a little premature to be calling for his head. That's all. Oh, well, yeah, right now. And that's why I said number five is going to be if LSU has a so-so season, because I think he will have a good year. I think I, I picked LSU to go over this year and win nine games. But if they don't do that and he has a so-so season, you can bet the talk's going to start. We need to get this guy the fuck out of here and get somebody in here who can win a championship. Mm, I don't know. It would have to be a, a pretty, those, those losses, let's say they did go 75, they'd have to go. It had to be pretty ugly losses. Or let him f around and lose to Chip Kelly week one. Oh, God. Now, mm. yeah, that's a big one. Oh, I mean, that, you know, I don't think there's any chance Chip Kelly beats them. But if by some stretch of the imagination, Kelly was able to win that game, you can book it. Orgeron's in trouble. Mm. Well, I will say, though, I mean, Les Miles, when he was there, he won the title in, what, 2007? And they hung on to him for almost nine more years before they let him go. I mean... I just don't think they bail on Orgeron after one bad season. And after, if he improves this year, there's no way he's fired. No way. Yeah, I agree I with that. He's on the if he seat. does get better, but he's, he's on the warm seat, if anything, at, at best, just depending on what happens. I don't think anything happens to him after this year, unless he goes five and five again. Let's move on to our playoff picks, getting into the national title discussion. Um, let's, let's do, we'll do top four and then, um, uh, We'll predict, go through the, go around the horn and who's going to play for the national title. Uh, Timmy, start us off. 
So I got the usual cast of characters here uh, for the top three, and then I got a bold prediction for the fourth one. You know, I got Alabama getting in, Clemson getting in, Ohio State getting in. If you yep. say Iowa State, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch you through this microphone. Well, get your fucking fists ready because the Cyclones are going to the playoffs week, man. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. Hey, y'all can be haters, but uh, we'll see what happens come playoff time. Mm. Iowa State. Wow, that's unbelievable. That is a bold prediction. Yeah, that that right there covers your bold prediction for the year. Iowa State making the playoffs. Give me a fucking. Now break. I got another bold prediction for you after that one. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah. You know that's my me. specialty, right? Yeah. I'll be sure to, to I'll be sure to write that one down. What's your next one? That Brees Hall's gonna win the Heisman. Damn, and you said my prediction of Clemson and Uwe Younglele was bold. You're talking about Iowa State going to the playoffs and having a fucking Heisman winner? You're out of your damn mind. You're crazy. You've lost your shit. Well, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. If Iowa State, you know, rips it off and goes to the playoff, that Brees Hall wouldn't garner serious Heisman consideration. I mean, I wouldn't think. I mean, yeah, he'd get consideration, but to outright win it, no. Yeah, that's a we'll see. That's a tough sell. I mean, he would have to rush for like two thousand yards, probably coming from a hey, team like Iowa State. They're supposed to be bold State. predictions, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, that's bold. That's didn't, about as fuck bold as you can get. Say safe predictions. God, well, oh. Timmy, who's going to be in your top four? Or Jason, who's going to be in your top four? This was really tough for me. Two of the teams, I think, are automatic. Um, was it really, though? It, it was tough, man, because I, I don't, I can't just sit here and say Alabama's going to go. I, you know, I, I can't. I don't know. No, here we go. So, no. well, two look, of the teams, I think, that are automatic are Clemson, because even if they lose to Georgia, they're going to run the fucking table, win the ACC. And go to the playoff. I think that's a, you know, it would take some kind of monumental, you know, group of injuries to happen for that not to come to pass. So I got Clemson, you know, going undefeated, making the playoffs. Same thing with Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma, I could see them dropping a game because they have been known to do so. They did it last year against Kansas State and almost dropped it to the Cyclones. Almost (laughs) dropped it to Texas. No, I don't see them dropping it to the Cyclones. Sorry. So I've got Oklahoma making the playoffs, Clemson and Oklahoma. And then I think Ohio State is a tough one for me to call. I'm going to give it to them just because I, but that's my least sure pick is Ohio State to make the playoff. That's the one I'm least confident in because uh, without a- Who would you slide in if they don't go? Well, then that's where it gets interesting for me. You know, I do think the SEC champ. USC. The SEC champion. Liberty. <laughs> yeah, Liberty. The SEC champion will go to the playoff, whoever it is. I don't give a shit if they got two losses. They're in at number four. I mean, that you can book that now, take it to the bank. Um, whether that's Georgia or Texas A&M or Alabama, I don't know. So Damn. if I had to just, if you made me pick four teams, I'm going to pick Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Alabama. But if I was, you know, just in my gut, I feel like Ohio State's going to drop a game somewhere, man. I feel like they... doesn't matter. They'll still go. I feel like that... Yeah, but it depends on when they lose. If they run the table and then lose to Wisconsin, say, in the Big Ten Championship, do they still go? Or God forbid, Michigan. Yeah, I mean... I think they put them through. (laughs) Don't even... Oh, if they lose to Michigan, absolutely not. Yeah, no. I don't see that happening, though. I hope but, they don't. you know, then you're looking at, like, say, Georgia wins all their games. And, you know, say they do beat Clemson, go undefeated, and then lose to Alabama in the championship game. They're sitting at, you know, 12 and 1. Or vice versa happens. Mm-hmm. Alabama loses to Georgia, or Texas A&M runs the table and loses to Georgia. Now you got two SEC teams. You know, I think if Ohio State drops the ball, you're looking at two SEC teams getting in which is going to make a shit ton of people unhappy. But, you know, I got no faith that anybody in the Pac-12 makes the playoffs. If Oregon somehow were to run the table and go undefeated, I think they get in. But unless you've got an undefeated Pac-12 team, they got no chance. Even with one loss, they'll get overlooked. USC. Yeah, not USC. <laughs> telling you, man. It's their year. <sighs> They're going to surprise people. Oh, my God. Well, you're not the only person that said that. I had a conversation with somebody today that said they got high hopes and they think USC will make the playoff. And I was like, well, good luck betting on that. You can shit in one hand and hope in the other and see which one fills up faster. I agree. Clay Helton, (laughs) not a championship caliber coach. Just I ain't trying to hear that argument. It doesn't matter, man. It's the path. It's the body of work. They have a weak path to get there. They don't have to play Washington this year. They don't have to play Oregon. The only tough team 
that they have to play on their schedule is at Notre Dame. And if they can somehow squeak out a win there, they run the table. You better watch yourself, weak man. You're you're slowly treading into uh, impinging on bet territory here with this USC stuff. Yeah, that's worse than check my yourself. That's worse than my Minnesota take. I don't care who you are, and they do have to play Oregon or Washington because they'll have to play them in the conference championship game, assuming sure. they get there. Sure, they'll absolutely get there. I'll bet that. Oh, oh, you'll bet that. Okay. Who's taking All it? right, we'll come up. All right, listeners, term, terms are coming next week. Yeah, we'll come up with some terms there because, oh, man, Maybe I can't terms. wait for that. Good Lord. Fight on, baby. Oh, God. That's miserable. So We're going to throw in that USC fight song at the end of this podcast. <sighs> See, this for me, this is the problem I have with the current landscape of college football with these power conferences. Yes, it's four-team playoff. It gives more people a chance to get in. But in my opinion, Oklahoma, they're not a top-four team. They're not going to be a top four team at any point this year, but they're good enough to run the table in their conference and they will, and they'll get in because of it. Meanwhile, I think that Georgia and A&M both could outplay Oklahoma any day of the week. So I do think there are some teams that will get snubbed because of that fact. And I'll be looking forward to see it when they finally move to the SEC. And I think we're eventually, we're just going to get some massive conference, but that's another topic for another day. As it stands right now, you'd be you'd be a fool to go against Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Clemson at this point, barring any crazy, you know, upsets or, or surprise seasons from anybody. So I would go with those and I've got Alabama beating Clemson in the title game if I had to right now. But we haven't even played a single snap yet this year. So I like that pick. That's a good pick. Solid. Solid bet. Oh, I'll bet you would. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And well, we already kind of know my bold prediction. We already talked about that. <sighs> yeah, there USC ain't nothing bolder than picking USC to run the table and go to the playoff. Mm. Jesus. This was supposed mm. to be bold picks, not completely freaking ludicrous picks. Well, Iowa State making the Look, fucking man, playoffs and Brees it, Hall winning the Heisman. That's about as ludicrous as a pick as I've heard this year. Mm. That's like that's, that's like Skip Bayless material. Okay. <laughs> At least I didn't say at least I didn't say Kevin Slovis is going to win the Heisman. That'd be fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, before we end the show, do you guys have any kind of previews you want to talk about in week zero, Jason? Uh, Well, I, I know we've got a couple of games here. The only two, we can talk about the only two interesting games that there really are. Um, I know Tim's got those lines. Tim, Tim, give me your, um, your UCLA and Hawaii pick because I, I want to roast your pick because I know you're going to pick Chip Kelly. Just go ahead. Do it. Absolutely not. UCLA is a 16 and a half point favorite. I ain't buying that shit for a dollar. Get out of here, man. <laughs> We've already established Chip Kelly's a dumpster fire. Give me Hawaii with the points. Later, Chip. <laughs> oh, God. Does Hawaii have a chance to win? They're not going to win outright, but they'll keep it closer than 16 and a half against them fools. Yeah, I, I kind of like that pick. I, I would tend to lean against that, though. I mean, Hawaii's two and eight straight up in their last 10 home openers or sorry, road openers. So, yeah, Todd Graham's second year, basically his first year because of COVID last year. I mean, I, I don't know what to make of them, but. If I'm going to 16 and a half, that's a huge point total. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. it more likely, if I'm going to do something, I would, I would bet the point total. I would take the under. I mean, the last I saw was 69 and a half on point totals. I'm taking the under there. I think it's a little bit lower scoring game. Even though the, both defenses are bad, I, I think it's, you know, being the first year or first game of the year, I don't see them both coming out and scoring 30 plus points. I think. One of them at least lays an egg. So give me the under on 69 and a half. Well, that was kind of my point being at first week. I see it being a closer game. So, you know, they'll both probably be stumbling all over each other. So no doubt. Now, one that I, you know, that I'll go ahead and predict for you here. Um, Nebraska and Illinois. I'm interested to hear your, you know, your take on this, but. So Nebraska's, you know, giving up 11 and a half points and I'll take that, man. Nebraska's going to run a train through Illinois. Book it. I got a 31-13 victory. Take it to the bank. Okay. So Jesus. the yeah, the the consensus line right now the best that I can find is six and a half. Six and a half points. So you got Nebraska minus six and a half going on the road to Illinois and you think Nebraska just dominates them, huh? 
Yeah, I don't know what line you're looking at. I saw eleven and a half earlier today. No, I'm looking at the I'm looking at Vegas the Vegas lines right now. It's six and a half. Is that's the line? Sounds like they got smart and caught up. Yeah. So you're taking Nebraska to dominate. You would take them at eleven and a half. Ooh. Oh, I was I was looking at the opening odds. My bad. It's seven and a half right now. Seven and a half. There you go. I'll still take it to the bank <laughs> at eleven. Huh. At seven and a half. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, uh, yeah. You were talking about taking them at eleven. I was going. Whoa. Okay. All right. Well, I'd take them at eleven too. Oh, Jesus. Taking them at eleven. Yeah. Listen to you. Well, you know they're going to beat the brakes off those kids. <laughs> Kid me. <laughs> Do <laughs> you think they just dominate them? Oh boy, that's interesting. Yes. Well, you know what? What's funny about this game? Sixty-nine percent of the bets are going in favor of Illinois. That's in Vegas. Sixty-nine. That's across all all the betting platforms. Sixty-nine percent of people are betting on Illinois to cover. It's a lot. That is a lot. I mean, seven out of ten people are taking. They don't like Nebraska. They're right there with us. They think he gets fired. Belima comes in, makes some noise, covers a spread. I don't know, man. They're at home. They'll be pulling out all the stops. I'm going to go against your pick. Fucking I'm going to take Illinois cut. to cover. I don't think they win, but I think they keep it within a field goal. Crew all right, country. All right. All right. So are we done with, seems like all we did this this last segment was bold predictions, but uh, are we <laughs> done with, with line points and, and totals and previews for weeks? Yeah, for right. Yes, yeah, for right now. There's really no other interesting games to talk about unless you want to discuss UTEP and New Mexico State, which. Who? who? Nobody cares. Well, that's going to wrap us up this week. Uh, Timmy, Jason, appreciate you guys coming on again, taking the time to do this. And what do we have for us, uh, for our listeners next week, Jason? Well, next week, you know, we're going to get started on the week one previews, man. It's, uh, it's, you know, college football, the actual college football season. I don't really count week zero because if Chip Kelly's the most interesting coach that's playing, then I'm going to kind of be tuned out and just be checking the scores. But we'll be getting into our week one preview, looking at all the lines, all the big games. It's a elite slate of games i mean the it's just we got so many good matchups to look forward to so really pumped up about that um we'll see how that goes but i'm you know mostly mostly i'm just looking forward to roasting you guys's picks i can't wait for that yeah well listeners choose your fighter because we're going to be keeping score this year on some of our picks so pick sides and, and root for uh root for your champion that's what I'm talking about, man. I'm ready to watch some football. I'm ready to see some spider white through bananas <laughs> on the outside, okay? Ready for week one to come in here hot. These guys have been sitting around too long, getting COVID, getting heavy legs. I'm ready for some football, man. Get a cue in the uh, Monday night football music after that one. <sighs> well, it is going to be a good week one. You got uh, Clemson and Georgia, Texas and Louisiana, Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin, Penn State, Miami, Alabama. There's a lot of good matchups, a lot of juicy lines and totals that we'll be getting and diving into. Uh, if you guys want to find us, you can hit us up on Twitter at South End Zone Pod. There's a link to our website. You can uh, send us an email. Email us your questions, and uh, we'll crush your takes uh, here publicly and make fun of you. No, not we won't make fun of you. Will we? I will. Yeah. <laughs> I can't guarantee that. Yeah, we will. We're available on all platforms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Give us a listen. Tell us what you think. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. See you. Thank you very much. Have a great day.